Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My name is Robin, and I am powerless, powerless. Powerless over alcohol. I'm very grateful to be here, and uh, I'm even more honored and humbled by the fact that uh, you asked me that. Of course, it wasn't you people in this room. I mean, a few of you, but uh, it was, uh, you know, usually, you know, Robin back in the old days, he was never asked back anywhere. In fact, everywhere Robin went, the doors would slam, the shades would be drawn, the shutters would clang, and the keep-moving asshole sign would be posted. <laughs> so it was really, I mean, you know, I thought this is a first, you know, of course it probably isn't, but I mean, I'd like to think it is, that someone gets uh, asked back to one of these conventions, roundups, conferences, whatever, so it's really great being here, and um, I'd like to thank uh, Mark and Jim, and of course, Joe started it all, and that was the first time I'd ever spoke at one of these things, and uh, it's been going ever since, and uh, I was telling uh, Joe, he I don't think he's heard me since then, and uh, I said, Joe, be advised, my higher power, who does all the talking for me, I never prepare anything. He's gotten leaner and meaner, and he really kicks ass, so watch it. <clears throat> One of the things that I remember most is that, uh, I try to remember most anyway, is that I'm here to, you know, give you my take on... Uh, an unbelievable, indescribable program known as uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the first things that was pounded into my thick skull was that honesty was of the utmost importance. In fact, it was so important, it was mentioned three times in the first paragraph of how it works. So they said, Robin, whatever you do, wherever you go, if you haven't walked the walk, try not to talk the talk. And of course, every time I say this, I put my big foot in my mouth. Because now i got to tell that woman over there that when I came in, she says, Oh my, you have such beautiful, natural black hair. And I said, Thank you, yes. <laughs> you <know. laughs> it's called Preference by L'Oreal. And that's it. Comes in a bottle, and I'm not ready to be gray yet. Of course, at this stage, I think it would be pretty much white, not gray. So, and tonight I had to do a hell of a job with the mascara brush to get the end, the roots, you know, that were showing. <laughs> and then I use the tighteners and everything. If I smile, my face is going to crack. You know. <laughs> you know, it's tough being 39 years old. <laughs> Oh, 
Okay, Robin took his first drink. This is my drunk log. Okay, listen real fast because it's going to go pretty quick. You know? Robin took his first drink when he was 14, his last drink when he was 45. It was downhill all the way. In fact, it was a grease toboggan ride straight to the pits of hell with me pouring Indian champagne on it all the way down. Now, you want to know what Indian champagne is? Of course you want to know what Indian champagne is. And even if you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you anyway. So, Indian champagne is a nice word for white port wine. And the stuff I used, I mean, don't light a match when you open that one, because it'll blow up right in your face. Never saw a grape in its life. It's pure chemical. What do you expect for 39 cents a quart, you know? Well, but anyway, that's the story. You can call it anything you want. For me, it was a leave of absence from the human race. That's a good one, Jesus, because I don't really... When I came crawling through those doors the last time around with my ass dragging so low, it was wiping out my footsteps. I didn't know anything. I, I mean, I was walking in, into walls and everything else. You know, ten years on Skid Row can take its toll. We're not talking hours, days, months. We're talking years. And uh, so when I came crawling through those doors the last time around, I was a 145-pound skeleton, the most beautiful color of gray. That's why I wore this shirt tonight, to kind of show you what the color was like. No, it's this light one down here. Yeah, okay. And anyway, uh, if I turned the corner real fast and ran into some kids, they'd scream and run because they thought I was a walking corpse. And uh, I weighed 200 now, people. It was 145 then. And it was kind of sad, kind of sad. Because I remember those 10 years down there on the skid row, I'd love to tell you that every moment that I was down there, I was trying to figure out how I was going to get out of this situation, what I was going to do to get out of that mess. You know, sleeping under the docks covered with newspapers, abandoned trailers, stairwells, dumpsters. It, you know, it, it gets kind of messy because in case no one has told you, they don't have plumbing facilities in those refined places, of, you know. And uh, so, I mean, when you're out there and uh, you have accidents and all kinds of things happen, I mean, it can get pretty messy. Look at them, look at them. Uh, they're thinking, what in the hell were these people thinking about having the nerve to ask a rhino to come down here and talk to us at our banquet after we've eaten this luscious meal and everything else and we're sitting here all clean and sparkly and shiny and the wings are fluttering, the halos are just glowing, I can see <laughs> How dare them ask that, that up there to come down here and talk to us. Don't they know that we come from higher places? Can't they see that? You know, I've heard this before, and I'm just going to tell you something real quick. I'm going to tell you real quick what your high places are all about. And it's very simply this. We are all from the same street. We just came from different addresses. We all rode the same elevator. We just got on and off at different floors. 
I bind them at the bottom at whatever level you hit it, and I hope for your sake you have hit one, because if you haven't, your ass is going out there, you know? And just in case you've forgotten all you high and mighty clean beautiful people, <laughs> I am going to remind you one more time, shit, piss, and vomit smells the same in a penthouse as it does in a garbage can, all right? And don't you ever forget that, okay? Now, I said I don't talk the talk if I haven't walked the walk, and you're wondering, what's he talking about a penthouse for? He's never been in no penthouse, he's just did well, why not? I got news for you. I got into a couple of them, and they're sorry to this day they ever let me in. I cleaned them out, you know, but I was there, so I can talk about it. And uh, that's history also. You know, I'd love to tell you that, uh, you know, I stopped counting the nuthouses, jails, and institutions after the 50th time I just stopped counting. You know, I had a sheet at the police station down in Monroe and Racine that would go around this block about three times. I mean, the best and the worst of the medical and psychiatric profession all gave up and said, this no good SOB doesn't stand a chance of a snowball in hell of ever sobering up. Let the son of be die, you know. Better get rid of them because the cops wouldn't even pick me up. They'd see me, I'd be with a bunch of uh, my buddies, winos, and they'd say, you, over there, don't even come close to us. And because uh, I said, you're not going to mess up our paddy wagon or squad car. You just get over there and stay there, and they'd take everybody else. Then there was Mutt and Jeff, the two cops that used to really love to harass me. They carried, uh, this is a little bit of life on the wild side on Skid Row, okay? And they used to carry cattle prods, yes. And in case you're passed out, that's a good way to wake you up. And once they wake you up, then he used to hit me in the stomach to see if the bottle was there, or else he'd bang me in the arm, because I used to stick him in the sleeve. And uh, I don't want you to learn any bad habits now, okay? And so uh, he'd find it, and he'd take it away from me. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about humiliation when they came in. You know, they were humiliated about this, humiliated about that. I'm going to describe what humiliation is really all about to you, for me anyway. He'd take that bottle, open it up, and pour it over my head. Knowing that I was standing there shaking so bad and wanting that drink so bad. And he would laugh the whole time until it was all gone. Then he'd smash the bottle over there. And I'd be standing there with the little drops falling. And I'd go, mm, mm, trying to catch one. That really happened, people. I'm not making that up to to amuse you. You know, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm here to save my ass, you know. And if you are here, if there's anyone in this room that's here because of a relationship, a marriage, a lover, or loveress, whatever you call yourselves, you know. <laughs> or to save that job, or to save... Whatever. If it's anything other than you, you're wasting your time. And let me tell you, they told me, you know, that one of the biggest favors they did me when I first came around these rooms. And boy, that was a mess. You're lucky you weren't there. That was quite a while ago. I'd march in because I had no place left to go. I mean, like I told you, everywhere I went, they'd say, out of here, just keep moving. 
So I'd come to these godforsaken rooms because I knew that you'd let me sit down, you'd let me drink your nasty-ass coffee, and I could just kind of figure out, you know, well, well, look around and say, okay, that one's good for a quarter, that one's good for a pack of cigarettes. That one will pop for a flop, I think, you know. I was serious about my sobriety in those days, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's life uh, on life's terms. And... Uh, I was walking into walls. I didn't know whether I was coming or going or what. And uh, you let me in. You didn't tell me to get out. The only ones that would tell me was the elders every once in a while when they really get pissed off at me. They'd tell me, you know what? If you think you're in the wrong place, and if you think you're not really alcoholic or whatever, they say, there's the door. Yeah, better you than me. And they said, uh, don't waste our time, and we won't waste yours. Well, let me tell you, every time Robin heard that, he'd say, Hallelujah, let me out of here. And away I go. Down the road, they catch me one more time, and it'd be one more huggy poo jacket and one more rubber roof. That's the only way that they could stop me, was to just lock me up. They used to take me in, uh, well, it was called the... Um, the Bluebird, with one of those old metal buses that they converted and they used to take all the metal patients to the nut houses, Elgin, uh, Mantino, Kankakee, all those places there in Illinois. And, uh, when we, they take me, they took me to Elgin 12 times, and Nurse, uh, Betty would come and meet the bus when she'd see my name on the thing they had sent ahead with my name on it. And in the back they'd cut, taken out two seats and put one of those metal, uh, Stretchers, and I was always tied down in that thing because I was always crazy as that shit, you know. And she'd get on the bus and she'd come in, she'd get on the bus with a hypo in her hand. She'd come over, she says, Robin, you ain't gonna do what you did the last time to me. I went into DTs and hallucinations. She'd go, bam! And then she'd say, now you can let me go, you know. And, uh, of course this never happened to any of you. None of you, none of you. You're all sitting there looking at me. Is this one for real or what? You know? Okay, let's do a little experiment here. Since you're looking so awestruck and everything. Just very quietly. Okay, this is called uh, a shit maker. That's what it's good for. That's the only thing it's good for. You know, this is, you know, and it has three buttons. Stop, go, and fast forward. This is that beautiful place where nothing can go in and nothing can come out unless you allow it to. And uh, this is where you can can bring up all those beautiful feelings and, and descriptions and emotions and all that stuff like self-loathing, uh, gloom, misery, despair, and, you know, uh, lower than well you know what, and uh, all that other good stuff. That's where it all is born, and it's nurtured, and it comes oozing out of your ears, you know. I want you to sit here and kind of clear that mess up for a little while, and then just sit there and think. Now, think. What? All of you that have never been on Skid Row don't know a thing about what I'm talking about, don't know nothing about that Skid Row between your ears, God forbid. Think. What did you, each one of you, quietly in your own head, think? What did you pay for that seat that you are sitting here in tonight? Physically, emotionally, 
mentally, spiritually forget us. What did you pay? And not only that, honest engine, what did you do? Or a drink, or any other mood-altering substance. Think about it. May West had it all right when she wrote that autobiography and called it Goodness had nothing to do with it, because that describes me to the T. Goodness had nothing to do with me getting here, so it's pretty safe to say that on different levels, and some worse, some not so worse, and so on and so forth, we all didn't get here for eating too many marshmallows, okay? <laughs> all right? So now that I've got you down to my level, you know, we can continue. You know, Robin came into this program, and you would think at that, you know, well, one of the things that happened, it was, I don't know what happened. It was just, I was being released from my last lock ward experience. There's no count how many of those I was in, but uh, I was standing on a street corner outside of this place, and I had the rags I had on. I had no place to go. I didn't have two cents to rub together. And I said to myself, wow, 45 years on planet Earth, and what have I got to show for it? The biggest zero, zilch, nothing you ever saw. And so I'm thinking to myself, what do I do now? And that little voice, I have a little voice, I know you don't, but I have a little voice, and uh, it says to me, Robin... There's always those rooms. And I thought, oh no, oh no. In the nut houses, they used to tie me to chairs and wheel me into your meetings. That all you do-gooders used to bring into the nut house because you knew you could go back out, you know. If they were going to keep you, you wouldn't be coming around, you know. So, um, I hated you. I hated you worse than death. Unless you gave me a cigarette. Then I'd say, oh, okay, you're all right. And, uh, but no, 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 I fought tooth and nail against anything or anyone that would get between me and my next drink. All of you were obstacles, every one of you. If I had a machine gun at that time, I would have mowed you all down and never even blinked an eye, you know. And you know, I don't know what I put that all about because, you know, let's face it, I realize now that if anyone did to me what I did to myself, I would really kill him and never blink an eye because nobody has ever done to me what I've done to myself. Although it's so much fun to be able to say, well, if it wasn't for, and if it wasn't for my mommy, my daddy, my uncle, my this, my station in life, my blah, 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 blah. There's a thing in the program that says that 180 degree U-turn. Don't look out there for what you're carrying around right here inside of you. So if you have any questions or any answers or anything that you need, you know, it's right here or it ain't nowhere. It's right here or it ain't nowhere. One of the most beautiful things that this program gave me when I finally came around and stayed, I'd, I'd, I'd love to tell you I came in and I said, here I am, help me. Yeah, right. I said, oh, no, no, no. Oh. 
I'm doomed, I'm doomed, these rooms, these sanctimonious mothers, I'm doomed, all they can talk about is, I drank a pint, I drank a quart, I drank a gallon, I drank a week, I drank a month, I drank a year, and I sit there, I said, you know what, I haven't slept in I don't know how long, and I haven't eaten for three days, and you'd look at me so benignly and just say, Robin, don't drink and go to meetings. And I say, these people are wacko. I said, but you, you, you're not listening. You're not listening. I'm in rags. I'm dirty. I stink. Uh, everything is bad. Bad. As if they couldn't smell me. I'd be in those meetings and there'd be empty chairs all around me. And <laughs> even if they wanted to help me, they couldn't because they couldn't get close to me, you know. And they'd look at me and just smile and say, Robin, don't drink and go to meetings. And I used to, oh, I, the names I called you then were not nice. The names I think about calling you every once in a while today are not nice, but today I don't do it. I just think about it. <laughs> then, every time I opened my mouth, black clouds of smoke would come out, and that would be the end of everything. You know. So the bottom line was I had no place left to go, so I had to stick around. I literally had no place left to go. I burned every bridge, every opportunity, everything. There was no, I didn't have to worry about losing anything because I didn't have anything. That's why anything I have today and, 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 and on the scale of the way society measures things, materially I would come out very low, very, very, almost to the bottom. But boy, the things that I can do today that I couldn't do then are unbelievable. So uh, I had to just keep plugging away and... Uh, uh, I hated everything about these rooms. I hated you people. And uh, I just couldn't go anywhere, so I had to just play your game. And I figured one of these days I'll figure out what they do with that money, and one of these days I'm going to figure out where they hide their jugs. And I said, one of these days I'm going to find out what they're on, because they can't be all that happy. You and your smiley faces, I hated you. Oh, God, did I hate you, because I was missing you. God, where am I going to go tonight? Where am I going to do? What, what, what? I don't know how it happened, people. It happened. For me, you know, people are always running up to me. Robin, how does it work? How does it work? As if I'm supposed to know. I don't know. All I know is that I didn't drink, and here I am. And you kept telling me, keep coming back. I think that was the most miraculous thing I'd ever heard in my life. And I said, what? You said, keep coming back. Back. No one, no one had ever asked me to come back. No one, no one. And here I am, here I am, here I am. It is unbelievable. This program has done for me what the best and the worst of the psychiatric and medical professions couldn't do. And uh, again, I had, you know, I... There's, uh, Joe was talking about high bottom and all that shit, you know, but... Well, I come from the high bottom drunk had his head on the curb, you know, and that's about <laughs> that's about how we measured it down there. And then, uh, of course, on on the day you got your welfare check, you were king for about an hour, and then somebody would jack roll you, and that would be the end of that. You were lucky if you could get a jug out of that. And so, uh, but it's kind of neat. 
Because anything, anything, anything beats a blank. So anything I have today, whether it's uh, a clean set of underwear or whatever, that's a plus. That's a plus in my life. You kept telling, you know, I came to these rooms and I, I couldn't figure out what your people were all about. I, I couldn't understand anything. Believe this or not, the first two years I did not say a word. I couldn't. I couldn't. I literally couldn't talk. I just sat there in total disbelief, total shock, and I just thought, I don't know, maybe one of these days I'll wake up and this will be gone, you know. Because uh, I really didn't understand it and I wanted no part of it. But I couldn't go anywhere else. Uh, like I said, I weighed 145 pounds. I had a collapsed right lung. My medical record reads like a death warrant. I've been DOA a couple of times, dead on arrival. And, uh, you know, like I told you, I stopped counting all those funny farms and institutions after the 50th time and just kept going. So, but, uh, and I didn't hit the bottom of the barrel. I went straight through the bottom of the barrel, you know. And uh, this is where the poem says, some people are sicker than others. And I was the one that was sicker than most. And for those of you that are still wondering why this wino is standing up here talking to you, I want to remind you of a little something. We talked about it a little this morning. Uh, they're called the promises, and the promises are on my side, in case you didn't know it. Because right in there, it says, no matter how far down the scale you have gone, you will see how your experience can benefit others. You know, somewhere along the way you told me, or the program told me, or somebody told me, Robin, if you just don't take a drink one day at a time, read the big book, go to meetings, talk to your sponsor, you're going to know the joy of living. And I thought, what in the hell are these people talking about? I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. I spent my first year in a rehabilitation workshop. They had to teach me. Remember, ten years on Skid Row, literally. No breaks, just ten years. The only time I went away was when I went to a nut house. Then they dumped me back where they got me, and there I was all over again. This, they put me into a rehabilitation workshop the first year. And uh, you, everyone had a counselor. I mean, there was every kind of disability you could think of. Some were, some other people were falling out. People couldn't talk. People were all like this. People were in wheelchairs. People, oh, it's horrible. And I was right in there. Moving and shaking with the best of them. It was wacko as hell. I was walking into walls. And my counselor would, everyone had a counselor or Whatever, whatever. And he'd meet you at the door. You had to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. And he'd look at me and he says, Robin, you look terrible. And I said, why? My clothes would be on either inside out or upside down or something. And he said, you look like you slept in your clothes. And I said, well, I did. He says, you did. And I said, yes. And he says, maybe we need to talk about this. So he takes me in his office and says, Robin, why are you sleeping in your clothes? And I thought, boy, this guy really doesn't know anything. And I, I, I'd look at him and say, you know what? When you leave on, when you, when, when you live on the street, day and night and everything else, you don't take your clothes off and put on your jammies. You know, <laughs> if, the cop, yeah. if the cops come, you gotta run real fast. You look pretty silly, you know, running around with no clothes on. You know, and uh, then he. I had to learn how to 
literally how to brush my teeth, how to comb my hair, how to take a bath. I took a bath before I came down here, people. That's progress. I didn't even know I thought you'd be proud of me if I told you that. So anyway, that's the way it started. And I mean, I'd love to tell you as, uh, as easy as anything. It wasn't. It was the most miserable, horrible experience I've ever had in my life. But, or so I thought, you know. I mean, you know, for two years I just kind of mumbled and stumbled and, but I, again, I kept coming back and you kept telling me just, you know, don't drink, go to meetings and that's the whole idea. And so that's what I did. I spent an entire year in that God, I mean, in that place that showed me, well, it was because of them that I was able to really go out into the world and function. Because I was non-functional when I came in. So then, uh, from there, one day, my Department of Vocational Rehabilitation Counselor called me in, and he says, Robin, he says, uh, I think that since you've been there a year, we're going to send you to school. I looked at him in total disbelief. In fact, I remember I felt my hair just go like this. I said, what do you mean, school? It is 30 years since I graduated from high school. I have measurable brain damage. Every time they hook me up to one of those EEG machines, it blows up. And I said, 10 years on Skid Row, I said, I, I, I still don't know my rear end from a hole in the ground. And you're wanting me to go back to school. And I said, do you know any more funny stories? I mean, I was really upset. <laughs> he looked at me. He didn't shrug. He didn't shake. He didn't miss the bees. He just said, okay, Robin. He says, but I'm going to tell you something. No school. No money. And I thought, uh-oh. When do I start, sir? <laughs> Robin was not ready to go out and meet the world job-wise and all that other. It would be a long time before I did that. So I know someone here has probably played with the idea of school and talked to themselves out of it with, oh, I'm too old, I'm too sick, I have too much, like with me, got brain damage, that whole schmear. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I got news for you. Uh, I did it, and, uh, and I kicking and screaming and hating and resenting and daring anyone to tell me or try to help me and all that other jazz, but I went. And I, they put me into this Truman College, and it was built on the north side, the north side skid row there, right on the corner that I used to sleep on. This is really cute. Talk about Coincidence. Yeah, right. Uh, right on the corner, I used to sleep on. Here they built this little junior college, and that's where Robin had to go. Or else. So I went, kicking and screaming, and they, they had a guy with a hook right by the door, because every other day I was running out the door telling them what they could do with their school and everybody in it. He would just hook me and pull me back in, you know. And kick, and, and, and took me two and a half years. But I got my little AA degree in liberal arts. And I'd go around with this piece of paper. You know, while I was in the workshop, down the street there used to be a little place called Triarco Arts and Crafts. And the psychologist said to me, or told them, a counselor, he said, send him down there. Put him to do something with his hands. 
He seems creative. You figure it out. I couldn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't even know what my name was at that point. So it didn't matter. So I went and I took four two-hour lessons in macrame. You all know what macrame is? Yeah. <laughs> From years, a thousand years ago. But that's all right. You do. You have heard of it. It's the mariner's art of tying knots. Okay. And you make client hangers and little owls and all kinds of. <laughs> I mean, real goofy shit, you know, but hey. While I was tying the knots in the rope, I was untying the knots of the air. So don't, don't knock it, don't knock it. And so the, that happened. That was another step in the right direction. And, and well, you know, when I say don't knock it, there was this guy. He waited till I had three years in the program, and he came up to me and says, Robin, it kind of looks like you're going to make it. And I looked at him and I said, oh, tell me more, which I knew he was going to anyway. He says, yeah. He says, um, I saw you once out on the street. He says, you are disgusting. You were in a doorway. You had your pants leg rolled up so that your wine swords would show. He says, I was so disgusted, I spit on you. I said, don't knock it, Buster. I made a lot of money that way. He was so horrified, he went running out the room. I said, good, because otherwise I would have told him to take his hand, hold it four ways, and then shove it. I'm going to shake your hand, he said. Don't bother with me. I mean, I think that's kind of neat. You know, uh, sobriety, I'm going to tell you what they did with me. They, when they took the alcohol away from me, that's the only person I can talk about, they left this huge hole, you know. At that time, it was only 145 pounds. Now it's almost 200. So, with the steps, you gave me something to fill that hole up with. Positives, you know. Which sounded so corny when I first heard it, I thought I'd throw up. And I did throw up a lot in those days. But <laughs> <laughs> The bottom line is this, that uh, we managed to make it somehow, and... Uh, while we're talking about throwing up, I'll throw in something else I just remembered. This is totally scrambled because I don't prepare anything. I kind of, you, you, you won't believe this, but when I come to one of these rooms and a bunch of beautiful people like you, you're really telling me what you need to hear, so it's coming out and I don't, you know, you either like it or else, you know, there's the door, you know. I tell that to everybody and they think I'm crazy, but you know, that's what they told me and they didn't tell me just once, they told me many, many times because I did not want to get it and uh, so I keep repeating what I heard in the beginning. So anyway, uh, I already forgot what I was going to say, so we'll go on to something else. You know? <laughs> Couldn't have been too important. If I remember, I'll go back to it, but... Right now, let's go back to the school. Somebody needs to hear this. I know. I can feel it. So, we got through with our little A degree. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm out of here. But they did have a little, it's a junior college, and they just had their commencement exercise in the room like this. Well, I think it was a cafeteria or something. And so, we went through the whole schmear, and they made us get caps and gowns and all that. And I thought, what am I doing here? So what happens, we're getting in line and everything, and this kid says to me, he says, Robin, who's standing up for you? I said, standing up for me? This is 
Anastinjan, this really happened. And I said, what do you mean standing up on me? She says, family, Dodo. I said, family. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'll be right back. And I went, lying out on the street. Truman College is right on Wilson Avenue, Skid Row on the north side. And here's Richard DeWino. And there's uh, the street social worker, okay? And so <laughs> I ran up to her and I said, you are my sister. Pull that skirt down. And you are my brother. And I said, don't let him pull that jug out in there. So I got him to go in there. And sure enough, when they called my name, Richard reached out and pulled out the jug and said, Yay, Robin! And I was so embarrassed I wanted to die, but I had family! And uh, she managed to keep her skirt down, so it was okay. <laughs> These are things that you cannot duplicate, people. And I'm sure every one of you, every one of you has equal or worse things in your past that you don't like to talk about or probably don't. I don't give a good, you know, because like I said, this is what got me here. Every split second was necessary. The good, the bad, the indifferent, the, the horrible, the depraved, the unbelievable stuff that I did. You don't want to know. I wouldn't abuse you by telling you what I have done for just a drink. So, anyway... When I came into these rooms and I kept whining and and every time I heard that word, G-O-D, I would scream and run to the nearest John or out to the nearest exit and heave my guts out. Why? It wasn't the word. It was what the word had been pounded into my head as meaning. And I thought, well, you know, if there really is one of these around here somewhere, maybe hiding in that room, and this thing really, really knows everything that Robin has really, really done, even that stuff out there in the dark, uh, you know, forget it, forget it, forget it. He doesn't want to have nothing to do with me, and I don't want to have nothing to do with him, and that's okay with me, because he can just go his way, I'll go my way, never the twain shall meet, next step. Please, and all my grandeur, you know. Didn't know shit, but I was that demanding that they let me graduate to the next step. This elder got a hold of me, slammed me into a chair and says, you no good rotten piece of shit. He says, we are so sick of listening to your moaning and groaning and your belly aching. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. You, Why don't you just shut up and listen and listen and listen some more. And when you're so sick of listening, you want to throw up, listen some more, asshole. I was so shocked I had no choice but to listen some more, you know. And uh, he says, uh, you know what, if you really don't like that word G-O-D, why don't you just say good orderly direction? If you're from Missouri and you got to be shown, why don't you say group of drunks? They're there. They're real. You can touch them, feel them, smell them. They're there. <laughs> If that's not good enough for you, why don't you say, hey, you out there, if you were there, the girls are like this, how about he, she, or it, to whom it may concern? 
Nowhere, angel children, nowhere in all the literature that's been printed by AA are you going to find a description, a graphic description of G-O-D. There is none. doesn't say he's tall, short, male, female, three heads, two, five legs, whatever. No, it doesn't say anything like that. And you're wondering, well, how does he know all that? Well, I'm going to tell you, it was pointed out to me, and I'm so stupid, everything had to be word by word. It says there on the four, G-O-D, and then it's so important, there's four more words, underscored because they're so important, and I didn't see them. I saw G-O-D, and I said, that's it, I'm out of here. <laughs> As we understood him, if you don't like him, her, if you don't like her, it. If you don't like that, fake it till you make it. Pretend it's this. And if you don't want any of that, if there's anyone here tonight that says, that person up there is not going to force me to believe in anything, I could give two shits what you believe in. I have enough trouble believing in what I believe in. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you something, you better, if, if you are really sitting here and you're trying to tell me tele telepathically that you don't believe in anything at all, and I am not going to push you, I'm going to have to ask you one very simple question. What are you doing here then? Think about that. If you really, really don't believe in this room, in these people, in those 12 suggested steps, the traditions, everything that comprises Alcoholics Anonymous, what are you doing here? I'm talking to the people that are friends of Bill W., okay? If you're guests, you're just going to have to put up with me. That's <laughs> If you are a beginner, and I'm a beginner every day of my life, I have to ask you one very simple question. Never mind doing 12 steps in one week. Never mind graduating and going on to bigger and better things. Uh, I tell beginners, you know, it's very simple. I mean, make up your mind very simply this. Do you want to live or do you want to die? It doesn't get any simpler than that. That's all you have to concern yourself in the beginning. Do you want to live or do you want to die? Whatever your decision, I will honor it. And if death is what you choose, I'll buy you the first one. People have tried me and they were very surprised when I... Here we go. That's what they did to me. They said, don't waste our time, and we won't waste yours. You either want it or you don't. Go. You're not strapped in those chairs. There's no glue in them. Go. Sometimes I went. Sometimes I stayed. Sometimes I went. Most of the times I went. But that last time around, I was really so sick and tired of being Sick and tired of being oh so sick and oh so tired <laughs> of just being sick. 
。哎。So I stuck my ass in that chair and I stayed there, and you paid for it everything, you know. But the bottom line is this: I'm here today to tell you. That、uh, as long as there's life, there is hope. If you're going crazy over the steps, don't. If you're a beginner and everybody's telling you, well, you got to do a fourth step, you got to put down the gold, take a flying jump at the moon. Tell 'em Robin said, if you don't do anything else but the first half of the first step for the first year, you're going to be fine. How can I say that? Well, it's very simple. I just said it because that's the way I practiced it. You know, I couldn't do all the things you wanted me to do. It had to be little tiny baby steps, sometimes backwards, sometimes forwards, sometimes sideways. And then there was the days when I just sit down and say, "I'll never move again." But then I get up, dust myself off, and just keep on trucking. It's where am I right here, right now? And where do I go from this moment forward, not backward? When I got through with Truman College, the next logical step was Northeastern Illinois University because it was a state college also. And I said, "This is insane." And I said, "I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this." I mean. It's, it's, it's painful. That that first little AA degree—that was the most painful experience of my life. Anybody that tells you it's easy is full of it. And tell them I said so too. And uh, anyway, uh, the bottom line is this: that screaming again. Those Pell Grants—I wish they'd blow them up or something because uh, <laughs> they paid for it, and the way I went and. There I am walking up and down the aisles, the corridors of Northeastern, and don't ask me how, don't ask me what, but I, I finished. Took me eight or eight years, eight years, because I was keeping body and soul during the day together during the day, and then I was going to school half time at night. Okay, and the way I was keeping body and soul together, remember I told you about those fine hangers. When I made my first blind hanger, I went around to all the clinics and all the hospitals where I was a patient at while I was out there, and I said, "I made this. I made this. Thank you, little piece of you know whatever." And they said, "Robin, you what?" I said, "I made this. He made that.、Uh, we want、uh, five of them, please." I think I was charging something like three dollars or something. And so, man, I run back to that little place where I get the cord, and I buy a bunch of cord and start making more of those things. And that's how I was keeping body and soul together. Was doing all this crazy macrame shit, you know. <laughs> But all the time that I was doing it, this, you know, they say that alcohol is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Let me tell you, the person who drinks it, male or female, becomes. Cunning, babbling, and powerful, and of course, with my street experience, my dears, I turn that into con bullshit and manipulation. And boy, can I manipulate you or not? And so I made it one way or the other. I didn't have to do the things I used to do, but I made it. You know. So here I am, going to school during、uh, at night, half time at night, and I got my 
Bachelor of Science. Not in art. Everybody thinks I went to school for art. No, I never, I didn't know what art was. I literally did not know what art was in the, I, 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 what do I know? He said, put him to do something with his hands. He seems creative. I don't know where the hell he saw that, but that's how it started. And so I got my Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And so that was that. And uh, remember, <laughs> I started this, I didn't sober up until I was 45, okay? And I think all of this school bullshit started somewhere 47. So uh, you add eight years to that, so it was 50. No, don't add, okay? <laughs> I, I just remembered. I told you I was 39, didn't I? Yeah. All right. Anyway, we went through all that shit, and we got it and everything else. This time, no commencement exercise, because I thought, no, I'm not going through that shit again. You know, I went down to the registrar's office. I said, give me that damn diploma. She says, geez, you don't have to be so mean about it. I said, just give it to me. I'm out of here. And I went screaming out the door, swearing I would never ever set foot in a learning institution again as long as I live. Then that little voice. Come on, Robin. Come on, Robin. You've gone this far. You've gone this far. One more little turn of the screw. I said, screw you. you know. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So, I finally, I was being bugged so badly, I called up the scholarship people. I said, you don't pay for graduate work, do you? No, we don't. I said, thank you. And I was ready to hang up. She says, wait. She says, pick wherever you want to go and we will guarantee a student loan. I said, I don't believe this. I really don't believe this. I really don't believe this. Apparently not. Believe it or not, I'm in the honor roll or whatever you call it. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me how. Because to this day, I have no idea. Literally, no idea. I remember I couldn't read because I tried to read a paragraph 30 times and not one word would register. So I'd sit on the first row, look at the teacher, read their lips, and make notes like crazy, you know. And I guess that's the way I did it because that's the only thing I can think of. So, Robin. Got his masters in human service, right? Now let me tell you this is the same, the same wango, the same garlic that the cops wouldn't pick up, that the medical and psychiatric profession said, let the son of a bitch die. This is the same wango. What does this tell you? It tells you very simply this, or it tells me. As long as there's life, there's hope. As long as there's life, there's hope. And what, is it, what else does it tell me? Well, you know, it tells me that somehow, by not taking the drink one day at a time, I was able to do whatever it took to get all this stuff together. So, I got my masters, and uh, I didn't know what to do then. So, I, you know, and it was all in preparing me, I thought I was going to become the penultimate guidance specialist in alcohol and substance abuse, and I don't know what else kind of titles I was adding on to it. And, and, and here is, now I don't know about your higher power, if you have one, 
t-shirts pour in. I don't know about yours, but mine has a very caustic, caustic sense of humor. When I got all of this shit together and I have those three pieces of paper, you know where I put them? You know where the potty is and you sit down? On this wall, right here. <laughs> and every time I sat down on the potty, I'd look over there and I'd say, not bad for the wine open to get broke. People would go in there and they'd come out and they'd say, Robin, what are those pieces of paper? Are they real? I said, yes. Damn right they're real. That's eight years of my life, or 11 years. No, 11 years of my life after the bastard. And they said, well, why haven't you got them in there? I said, so I can talk to them when I'm sitting on the potty. I said, that's when I talk to my higher power. Why can't I talk to them? You know. <laughs> you never talk to your higher power when you're sitting on the potty? <laughs> that's the best time, you know. <laughs> hey, mine's a swinger. He has to be to put up with my shit, you know. <laughs> He doesn't care if I'm standing, kneeling, or dressed, undressed, on the party, or out in the middle of the street, or chasing someone through the bushes. He doesn't care. As long as I, you know. You know, that's the one hotline that's never busy. You know, all I have to do is pick up the phone and he's there. Of course, all he says is, no, not yet, maybe tomorrow. Maybe You know, when I first came around, people, I always used to, you know, and you know what caused all of this to happen since we're on the G.O.D. word again. This is really neat, and I only found this out recently because I, for whatever reason. Everybody in the beginning used to look at me and say, oh, there, but for the grace. Oh, there, but for the grace. Oh, did you... Said, Who the hell is Grace? You know, I said, Jesus, I gotta meet this broad. Oh, I know. Come to find out, and this is so magical. This is so magical. Uh, was that I found out what Grace means, what it means, and it is so magical because it hits the nail right on the head for what. Maybe not for you, but grace is the completely undeserved mercy and favor of G-O-D. As you understand, as I understand, as we all understand it, which means right here, right now in this room, there's as many G.O.D.s as there are people. And it's okay. Not because I said so. It says up there on the thing. As we understand. And all you have to know is that it isn't you. <laughs> and that's what got me. That's what got me. But let me tell you something. It's very hard to accept a G.O.D. or an H.P. into your life when you are sitting square in the middle of the throw. <laughs> or do you call it the driver's seat? Or do you call it the director's chair? He looks like a director, yeah, okay. And so, anyway, whatever you call it, you ain't it. And as long as you can remember that, you're going to be okay. Can be a light bulb, a tree, a group. We had a girl. She had a chair. She called it Alfred. It worked. And uh, furthermore, you know, one of the other 
blessings that this program has given me anyway, aside from sobriety first, the program. Now remember, that's the sequence. First, the program. Then my higher power. Because without the program, I would have never found anything. Anything at all. Nothing. I used to eat out of dumpsters. I mean, I, I, I was an animal. I had no qualms about eating garbage. And if you were to wipe your feet on me, I would roll over and let you do it on the outside. That's what I thought of. Lower than west. And now comes the program, then comes G-O-D, H-D, whatever you want to call him. And now another little boom. Listen. Robin does not mind being alone with Robin. If that isn't a blessing, I don't know what the hell is. So just sit there and think about how bad things are for you. You ingrate you, you know? <laughs> think, where was I when I came crawling through that door? And where am I? Right here, right now. And if you don't see any difference, I'll do the same for you as I'll do for those other people. I'll take you out there and buy you the first one and you can go on your merry way. If you don't really see any difference, what are you doing here? If you don't believe in anything, what are you doing here? Again, back to the joy of living. It's a don't drink, go to meetings, read the big book, talk to your sponsor, and you will know the joy of living. And I'm thinking, wow. And it's also said somewhere, you know, everything you need is right there inside of you. And uh, the joy of living is right there inside of you, too. If you will just look inward instead of outward. I mean, I, I came in thinking a lot of those crazy thoughts. I thought, as soon as I saw her up, and then I'm going to make money, then there's the diamonds, the furs, and the Cadillac cars, and all that other happy horse, you know. Well, believe it or not, in little tiny bits and pieces, I got all of that. And it didn't mean to me nothing. And today, it means even less. Even less. I have... A lot less today than I did a while back, but that's by choice. I mean, uh, if I wanted to pursue this stuff, so that, you know, remember when I was telling you about the knottings and untying the knots in my head, and I kept saying I want to do more than tie knots, I want to do stuff. So the brain would say, okay, well, why don't you try this, why don't you try that, why don't you try the other thing, and... Today, Robin has public artworks and three major voices, and I, and I go by, and literally, you're not going to believe this. It's kind of silly, but it's cool. I'll go in there, and I'll peek around the corner just to see if it's real and if it's still there. It is. It's there. And it's got my name on it, and I don't believe it, then I get the hell out of it. Because it scares the shit out of me. And it's mine. Now I do this real weaving, and acrylic and all that other happy little music. 
galleries love them, but I won't give them to them because I don't want them to have them. And anyway, this is another one of my little carts, but you know, it's there, and it was all given to me by you know who. Because I sure as didn't know anything about that when I came in. I didn't have nothing. I didn't know anything about life. I didn't know anything about people. I didn't know anything about anything. But, the program says, you know, I keep thinking you know, of all the things, you know. You know, sobriety has not been easy. I don't know about you, but life on life terms can be a bitch. I have had things happen in sobriety, physical, you know, things that started way back when and are now manifesting themselves now, and uh, it's kind of scary sometimes, but somehow or other, 1999, I finally looked up and I said to him, hey, why don't you go find somebody else to play with? Leave me alone, you know? But I lived through it, I lived through it, and it was fine, and it was fine, and, and, but this is what you told me all along, and I didn't believe it. And, uh, you know, I can have as much as I want, as little as I want, or none if I want. And the bottom line has got to be always, how much of me, how much of me am I willing to give, to get, you know? And some days it's 150%. Some days it's nothing. And it's as much as I want to give, that's, how, well, that's what I'm going to get in return. And, uh, you know, my mother, God rest her soul, she was a beautiful woman. Very tall. Well, she was tall for a woman, 5'8". But she had this propensity to get dressed up in orange heels and slinky dresses and go out at night. And so, you know, she was a beautiful, beautiful lady of the night when she was drinking. When she was sober, she was a perfect housekeeper. I couldn't even walk on the foot. And she'd be perfectly dressed and clean and everything. And I'd run up to her and, don't touch me, you'll mess up my dress. Go sit down over there. So when she had a drink, goodbye, Charlie. And, uh, well, that went on and on in her life. And at age 40, Three, I believe it was. She finally got tired of it, and she fixed herself a cocktail and put rat poison in it. Now, you see, this was her way of doing it. And uh, a lot of people say it's a coward's way out. Uh, no, 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 no. It's the highest form of self-criticism, that's for sure, but... Uh, <laughs> You know what you just gave me? You just gave it to me. The most beautiful thing that we have here besides sobriety and GODs and HPs and all that other crap. Laughter. Laughter. We can laugh with each other instead of at each other. And we can laugh about things that were life and death. Literally. And they happen. Now we can look back laugh. You weren't laughing at my mother. You were laughing at the idea of what we can do. And that's so beautiful. Where? You know, it is unbelievable. Do you ever stop and think about it? Do you ever stop and think about it? All the money in the world, all of the money in the world, cannot buy one split second of what we get in these rooms for free. 
All you got to do is show up. Sit your ass down, pull all that earwax out, and start listening. Listening and listening and listening more. And when you're so sick of listening, you want to throw up listen some more. And it works. It works. It works. You know, uh, the joy of living. Have you ever heard people, oh, happy, joyous, and free? And I think, yeah, right. What planet are you on? You know? <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I mean, my feet are very firmly on terra firma because, uh, that happy, joyous, and free stuff kind of scares me. Uh, you know, uh, the joy of living is kind of okay to me because he said that's what you'll get if you work the program. And I think Bob Dub, uh, Dub, whoever said that, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know any more about the book than anyone else. I really don't because, uh, I mean, that's why I have a big book meeting because that's the only way I can learn. And, uh, so anyway, they told me uh, that if I just keep coming back, it would work. Even for me, it would work. Even for me, it would work. And so I did. I believed them, and here I am. But you know what? It hasn't been easy, and nobody promised me a rose garden. And uh, no matter how much we kick and scream and squall and carry on and I could throw myself in the middle of that floor and hold my breath till I turn blue. Everything's going to keep on going the way it wants to go on going, whether I like it or not. And things happen that I don't understand, that I scream and squall about, that yet invariably he, she, or it throws me the answers as I go further down the road. And then I realized, okay, now I understand why that happened, and I can see the benefits thereof working in my life. My mother, in her suicide, left the message for all of us. It's very simple. It don't work. It don't work. And if you think you've got the answer, and if you think you can go out there and do it for one night and quit, be my guest. Go! Like I said, I'll buy you the first I'm not going. I'm not going. A lot of people have been talking recently about having another, you know, drunk. Well, I know I have another drunk. But when I think of what it took for me to get here, no, 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 no. No, no, no. And what I'm really afraid of is not the dying part, it's the living part. I might live. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those places where they have the coarse cough syndrome, the geeks, the wet brains. Ooh, that's a pretty picture. Go look sometime. I was in there with them. Not nice. And, you know, and it's amazing. Here I am. Here I am. Here you are. Here we all are. And, uh, the thing that I'm really, really most amazed about is this, this has all happened in my life against my will. I would love to tell you that I cooperated every inch of the way. I haven't. I haven't. I fought tooth and nail in sobriety. I mean, I'm just, you know, what do you expect? I'm half Cherokee and half German, you know. It's kind of a mixed up bag there, but here I am. 
So anyway, let's get enough of this stuff. Back to uh, where we were, which is, uh, you know, people asking how it works, expecting you to come up with the answers and all that stuff. I always try to say to them, you know, the thing that was taught to me was that, uh, you know, I can have, again, as much as I want or as little as I want. And again, here we go. If you go out there, one of the things that you hear, I hear, here it is, I hear it is, they tell me, you know what, try to do this. Instead of, you know, existing, try to live, you know. Live. Don't exist. Listen. Don't just hear. And not only hear, try to understand. Try to understand that the joy of living is not out there somewhere. Again, it's right there inside each and every one of you. You want to know what the joy of living really is? I'm going to tell you what it really is. The joy of living is sharing your own hard-earned, painful, freeing experience, strength, and hope with someone less fortunate than yourself. That is the joy of living. That's why the program says, pass it on. Carry the message, whatever you've got, to someone less fortunate than yourself. And you know, when you leave here tonight, and you go out there, and somebody runs up to you by chance and asks you, how does it work? How does it work? How does it work? I want you to tell them for me. I want you to tell them for me. Don't take a drink one day at a time. Get your ass to one of these damned old meetings. Say one word. Help in the morning. Two words. Thank you at night. And I don't give a shit if you've just had a day express straight from the pits of hell for everything for everything you touch turn to you know what tonight when your head hits that pillow if you haven't had a drink or any other mood altering substance I want you to say thank you because at that moment you are a winner a miracle a living, breathing power of example. And no one, no one, no one can take that away from you. Except you. God bless you and thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.